0: this week on podcast royal the king and the queen consort's crowns have been selected for the coronation william and kate attend the baftas once again and camilla yet again tests positive for covid plus we've got a lifestyle segment for you on ways you can incorporate royal wedding trends into your own big day without breaking the bank it's all right here on episode 85 of podcast royal
1: Welcome back to Podcast Royal, and happy Pancake Day, Rachel. How are
0: you this week? Okay, wait a minute. It's Mardi Gras. Like, where does Pancake Day come in? (laughs) Tell me what pancake... Because obviously, we're recording this on February 21st. It's Mardi Gras. But what is Pancake Day?
1: So um, we'll talk about this later in the episode, but... um, it's also known as Shrove Tuesday. Oh, but it's okay. A- My mom was just
0: talking about that today. Okay,
1: okay. Yeah, the day before Ash Wednesday, and in the U.S., a lot of us refer to it as Fat Tuesday. Um, but in the U.K., it is Pancake Day, and it's a tradition to make pancakes on Tuesday. So, well, fun none tradition. of our
0: British listeners judge me for not knowing
1: what that was. Please, sorry. <laughs> but,
0: but Jessica's half British, so she knows.
1: Hey, I don't know that because I'm half British. Um, but I did see the Princess of Wales flipping pancakes today. Um, And I shared it on her Instagram. So like I said, we'll we'll talk about that later in the episode. But uh, yeah, definitely a fun tradition to pick up if you don't already do it.
0: Well, to answer your question, I'm really good and had a great dinner with you on
1: Sunday. How are you this week? Really good. Also, I am fresh back from several days down in Florida at the beach. Mm -hmm. So uh, we had great, warm, sunny weather, and it was perfect to put on a sweatshirt and walk on the beach. Um, If you've never done the beach in February, I highly recommend it. Uh, Really great weather. So I'm excited to be back. We've got a lot to talk about today.
0: We really do. And let's just go ahead and jump right on in to the Royal Rundown. So we continue to get more details about the coronation, including a coronation emblem, which features flowers from all of the United Kingdom's four nations. There's the rose of England, the thistle of Scotland, the daffodil of Wales, and the shamrock of Northern Ireland. Buckingham Palace said in a statement, That these four flowers signify the king's love of the natural world, which, of course, we've long known that Charles has been so into environmentalism and the natural world. He's a gardener himself. And in the center of the emblem is the shape of St. Edward's crown, which Charles will wear to be crowned on May 6th at Westminster Abbey. And speaking of crowns, Camilla has chosen her crown for May 6th as well. It's not the controversial Kohinoor diamond, as was once rumored. I think we talked about that on the show. Camilla will instead wear the Queen Mary's crown, which is set with 2,200 diamonds. And naturally, not surprisingly, based on the name, was once worn by Queen Mary herself. She was, as she was crowned, Queen Consort alongside her husband, King George V, in 1911. So I found this interesting. This will mark the first time an existing crown has been worn by a queen consort instead of a new one being commissioned which the palace said was quote in the interests of sustainability and efficiency again going back to charles's and i'm sure camilla as well's um, efforts towards sustainability so that said the crown will be slightly altered to honor her late majesty queen elizabeth ii i find this so sentimental and i love this kind of stuff the sentimental touches it will be reset with the cullinan three four and five diamonds that were part of the queen's personal jewelry collection and people magazine reports that the queen often wore the diamonds as brooches. So I am wondering what you think of Camilla's choice in crowns, because there was so much controversy over the Chloe Noor diamond. And I'm, I think we've talked about it on, that on the show, right? Am I, am I going crazy? We have spoken. We did. About- okay. So what do you think about her choice in crowns?
1: Yeah. You know, I, I like this. I was just listening to you describe it. And, um, I, I like that they are keeping in mind this sustainability piece and using something that has already been used in the past, but to alter it, I Mm -hmm. think that's a great idea. And I love the idea of honoring, as you said, her late majesty, Queen Elizabeth II. Um, you know, sometimes I feel like people get so worked up over news stories related to the royals and everyone was so worried there was going to be this, you know, controversial thing, but everything, you know, they've been mindful of that. They've been mindful of, you know, the economy right now. And um, they've also been thoughtful and in, in honoring the late queen. And so I think it was a great choice and I'm excited to see it. What about you? Yeah, I think it was a really thoughtful choice you know
0: here's the thing I have to give it to the king and the queen consort they're making really good decisions for the most part I can't think of any major flub that they've yeah yet. I mean give them time right I mean I'd say that with love like everybody makes mistakes but so far the decisions have been really solid and it sounds like they're really listening to the public they're really taking in what the public is saying And so I agree. I agree with this decision, and love the fact that first of all, they're taking an existing crown, and I agree with the there's there's a lot of them. There's no need to commission one. I really like they're altering it to honor Charles's mother and all that she gave to the country for for in the world really for for 70 plus years, and I think it's A plus. So I wanna drop in one more quick news item about Camilla and the coronation. So she has launched what she's calling the Coronation Champion Awards in partnership with the Royal Voluntary Service to recognize volunteers across the UK. So these exemplary volunteers will be invited to, I think this is really cool, attend one of the official coronation celebrations this spring, like the concert or a garden party. Nominations are now open for volunteers in eight different categories, and those are supporting the elderly, supporting youth and children, crisis and welfare, community, sports, culture and heritage, health and care, sustainability and the environment and animal welfare. So 500 nominees will be selected as champions. And in addition to an invite to a coronation celebration, they're also going to get a pin and a certificate signed by Camilla herself. So that's a great way to recognize some
1: of the UK's best volunteers. That is really, really cool. I like that. I do too. Well, speaking of Camilla, since we recorded her last episode, we actually found out that she tested positive for COVID again. Rachel, this was the second time Camilla has had COVID. And the strange part about this was her COVID diagnosis came Exactly a year after her last one. Um, it was reported that, you know, she had been experiencing cold-like symptoms. And when she tested positive, of course, she had to cancel her engagements for the week. Listeners might remember King Charles actually tested positive twice as well. And he was first in 2020 and again last year in 2022. So he did seem to avoid it this time. And it does sound like Camilla's doing okay. Um, If you remember, I'm sure you remember this, Rachel, last time she had COVID, several weeks had passed since her diagnosis, and she had commented on how long it took her to fully recover from the symptoms. I think it had been a struggle for her. Uh, But recently, so Charles was out on an engagement, and a member of the public asked him how she was doing, and he said she was getting better. And I did see today that she is scheduled to host a reception at Clarence House later this week. So I would say that's a good indication. She's on the up and up. Mm-hmm. Um, we are sending our get well wishes to Camilla to make a full recovery really soon. Yeah, COVID is not a joke.
0: And I just, yes, absolutely. Sending all the well wishes. I can't believe that Camilla, who is out in the public as much as she is. See, I didn't get COVID for the first time until the summer of 2022, but I can't believe, especially since her husband had COVID in the early days of COVID, back in the spring of 2020. I can't believe that it took her that long to get. I mean, I hope she never had it at all. But anyway, we are sending get well wishes to Camille. It sounds like this this round is a little has been a little bit easier on her. So everyone, just stay healthy. So on a lighter note, we saw Kate and William attend the BAFTAs on Sunday night. This is their first time at the award ceremony in three years since 2020 happened right before, kind of like right about now, right before COVID hit in 2020. So Kate wore a rewear, actually it was a white one shoulder Alexander McQueen gown, but this time she paired it with long black opera gloves. I'm going to get your thoughts in a minute, Jessica, on what you thought of the look and I'll share mine as well. P.S. Kate's earrings, which were dazzling and really statement earrings were from Zara and they were only $27 and of course are now sold out of course. And then uh, did you catch this moment? Cause this moment was a rare display of PDA for the Prince and princess of Wales in a moment buzzed about incessantly since Kate playfully tapped William's bum as they walked the red carpet together. And then later when they were inside, Helen Mirren, who I love, and who actually played the queen in The Queen, which came out in 2006, she paid tribute to her late majesty. Kate and William, you could see, were uh, stoic and held together, but also a bit visibly emotional. And Helen Mirren said at the ceremony, cinema at its best does what her majesty did effortlessly. Bring us together and unite us through a story. Your majesty, you were our nation's leading star. So William actually has been president of BAFTA since 2010. So, okay, let's discuss two things. Let's discuss Kate's look and then let's discuss the bum tap. (laughs) The bum tap around the world.
1: So first of all, that was a really beautiful line by Helen Mirren um, talking about the queen. Uh, Mm -hmm. But on to Kate's look. Okay. Okay let me just start off with the earrings. I did not realize that those were from Zara. They looked a lot more expensive than $27. I thought too. They looked a lot
0: more expensive than $27. That's why they sold out.
1: Well, okay. So on her overall look, I really liked the idea of a white dress with black gloves. I really liked the white dress. I liked the changes they made to it with the, um, like the soft bow on the shoulder I thought was really beautiful um together I feel like I was getting that you know that emoji face where it has like the squiggly smile and it looks really uneasy like uncomfortable like I feel like the whole outfit was giving me that vibe like something was just not right something was off and it was like the dress is beautiful love the gloves Love the idea of a white dress and black gloves, but there's something about this that is just not right. And I think someone on her team must be really wanting her to take on this sort of fashion icon and kind of step outside of the box, do something different. So I applaud them for that. I just think that the pairing on this was off. Um, I think if it had been a really sleek, maybe like a silk, you know, more huggy kind of dress. The, the black gloves would have maybe worked a little bit better. Um, but I, I don't know. I just again, like I like I like the individual pieces, but together mm-hmm. something was off for me. So what about you? That is my exact opinion. And we talked about this at dinner on Sunday night. The
0: dress, love. The gloves, love. Together, I don't. It, it, the dress, the dress had too much on that off the shoulder It had too much detailing, too much going on. And the gloves just, it just didn't make sense. And I get, I get that her team is probably, as you said, trying to submit her as a fashion icon, make her look a little bit more edgy because Kate has played it safe a lot. Not so much in recent, in like the, I'm thinking about the Earthshot prize green dress. I love that dress by the way, but she's, she's getting edgier as time goes on not as safe. And I love that, but this particular look did not work for me. Again, this, the individual pieces, the gloves, great. The dress, great. But together it just, for whatever reason, there was just something about it that did not click for
1: me. Well, I think what we're dealing with here is the dress on its own as a statement, the gloves on their own, are a statement and the earrings are also a statement. Those were there were a lot of statements. I mean, she could have done like, you know, diamond studs or something, but yeah, she had big statement earrings too. And so I think when you pair all of that together, it's like your eyes aren't really sure where to focus and there's just a lot going on. So I think if she had pared down some other elements and kept the gloves, or if she had gone with the dress and the earrings and got rid of the gloves, you know, like it was just too much altogether.
0: It was, I agree. Okay. But what about the bum tap? The
1: bum tap. tap. I just love saying the words bum tap.
0: I think I've said that like 10 times this week. I just, I think it's so fun. They were super cute.
1: I loved it. Um, I wasn't even looking for it. I just saw a video (laughs) and I was like, Oh my gosh, she totally just, (laughs) um, and I thought it was cute. And I actually thought, They seemed to interact really well together on the carpet that night. They were in a great mood. They were, they just seemed engaged with each other and others. They were flirty. They both seemed really happy and and excited to be there. And I thought it was great. I I like a little bit of PDA every now and then, as long as it's, you know, um, tasteful. No,
0: they were adorable. They're, they're just so in love and it makes me really happy. (laughs)
1: well back to the gloves so speaking of gloves I can think of one person who is really glad to not need gloves for a little while right now (laughs) (laughs) Segway. I I was trying on that one so Rachel do you remember Captain Shandi who trekked across Antarctica recently yeah we talked about her a few episodes Mm -hmm. ago we did yeah so as a reminder in January Captain Shandi who is a woman by the way broke a world record by completing the furthest solo polar expedition. She spent 70 days traveling 922 miles in Antarctica with no assistance. Uh, The Princess of Wales was patron of her expedition. And when Shandi returned, she was greeted with a hug by Catherine. And today she was presented with her MBE by Princess Anne at an investiture Uh, ceremony at Windsor Castle. So for our non-British listeners, MBE, as a reminder, stands for Member of the Most Excellent Order of the British Empire. So congrats to Captain Shandi. I thought that was a fun little update. Absolutely. And I'm
0: glad that you went full circle with that because I, that, that sounded like something. I mean, I remember saying this when we talked about it the first time, that sounds impossible and like something it's I would amazing. rather do anything than <laughs> do, like, not only was she out there in the cold for all those days trekking, but she was hauling like hundreds of pounds of, of stuff behind her. And so what a, what a woman congratulations indeed. For sure.
1: Well, as I mentioned at the top of the episode, today is Pancake Day in England, um, and we got to see the Princess of Wales flip some pancakes on an engagement today. So I shared a photo of this on our Instagram. Hopefully, listeners saw it. I know you did, Rachel. Mm -hmm. Um, Catherine visited Oxford House, which is a family-run nursing home, and she actually, while she was there met a resident named Nora and Nora is 109 years old which is just incredible wow while she was there Catherine participated in several different activities but one as i said was making pancakes for pancake day um like we said it's also known as shrove tuesday tomorrow is ash wednesday um so you know again that's part of a uk tradition we did see a video um of her and she's so she's got the pancake in the pan and it was really testing her culinary skills. It was sort of <laughs> she, she had the batter, cook, Right. Right. Yeah. But the batter was sticking to the pan and she had the spatula trying to get it under it. And I was really worried that it was gonna fall on the ground or it wasn't <laughs> gonna flip for her. And she was a really good sport about it. She laughed along with everybody else and then she did she successfully flipped it like in the air and caught it in the pan. Um but I could really understand how this is probably tough to do with a UK pancake because UK pancakes are actually different than what we have in the US. Did you know that, Rachel? No, I did not. So in the US, we make these thick Fluffy pancakes. We eat them with butter and maple syrup. And in the UK, they use a really thin batter. So their pancakes are more like crepe and they eat them with lemon juice and sugar traditionally. And Rachel, you mentioned me being half British earlier. I actually remember when I was younger having pancakes and my mom eating hers with lemon juice and sugar. And I have done it that way. I can say it is super, super yummy. Mm. Um, We did, we, we always made the American, you know, the thick, fluffy pancakes at home. Um, So I guess it was best of both worlds, but I I do have to say if you are British and you've never had pancakes with maple syrup and butter, Mm. you've definitely got to give that a try because it's pretty delicious too.
0: Mm -hmm. My mom was just talking about this when we were FaceTiming before we got on the zoom to record this and she was saying that she wanted pancakes really bad. And now I want pancakes really bad. Thanks, Jessica. I want them really bad after that (laughs) description.
1: I during the you know the pandemic what we record on Tuesday nights I got into this thing for a while I was like in a pancake era where I was pancake making, era <laughs> <laughs> I was making blueberry pancakes after we recorded like every night I haven't done it in a while though and
0: you didn't invite me over for the blueberry pancakes what is going on I want some we'll, we'll have
1: we'll have a breakfast for dinner party one night how about that okay that's fair that's fair <laughs> so I do also want to comment on this funny story that's been buzzing about Prince Charles since our last episode I don't know if you saw this Rachel because wait a minute wait a minute you just it. called him Prince Charles he oh he's gosh, not Prince Charles I anymore I cannot yeah. believe I did that I've done such a
0: good job I think that might be the first time that we've messed up which won't be the last I'm sure because we're
1: human but yeah Prince, Jarn, oh, no, I
0: no, no, not I Prince Charles
1: King Charles oops King Charles, um, yeah, wow, I thought you caught it. Yeah, he was I Prince didn't... Charles
0: for a hundred years, so you're gonna say
1: you're not wrong. Well, the king himself, um, <laughs> he visited a mosque in London on the eighth, and when he entered the building, he removed his shoes, and of course, cameras caught him with a big hole right on top of his sock, just above one of his toes, and. <laughs> OK, I have to tell everybody, if you have not done this already, just just go Google King Charles hole in sock and you'll get a good laugh. Several photos will pop up of just a picture of his foot <laughs> with black dress socks and a big hole right in the top. So, oh, man, I don't know why I found that so funny. And honestly, I found it very relatable. I think King Charles is praise for his sustainability. We know that he has held on to shoes and suits and other clothing for decades. And so, of course, there were all these thoughts about his socks and, you know, was he trying to be sustainable? And I honestly think it was just one of those situations where no matter how much money you have or how many staff members are putting together your outfit, sometimes you just grab the socks with the hole. And I sort of feel like he saw (laughs) it when he was eating grass. (laughs) right I think he saw it when he was getting dressed and just totally forgot that he was going to be taking his shoes off that day (laughs)
0: oh my gosh you're the king of the united kingdom and all the commonwealth realms get throw the whole socks away like you you, (laughs) we can get you some more
1: socks we got we got you uh yeah I I thought that story was great so okay We are coming to a close on our Royal rundown here, but we do have a couple other updates. I want to touch on the Sussexes. Um, We've got a few stories about them that are sort of interesting this week, Rachel. Um, I know we, we haven't really chatted about this. You did. We spoke about including it on the episode, but we haven't talked in detail about it. So first off, Samantha Markle, um, listeners will remember, she is the half-sister of Meghan Markle. She's suing Meghan because she is claiming that Meghan made false statements about her in the Oprah interview. She said that Meghan kind of sold this rags-to-riches story about their family. She claimed that she was an only child, and she also claimed Samantha only changed her last name to Markle after Meghan started dating Harry, which I guess... She was basically accusing Samantha of using her name for fame. So Samantha is suing Megan and surprisingly, she's only seeking $75,000 in damages, huh. which um, some are saying this could be her way of showing that she's not really in it for the money because seventy-five will probably only cover legal fees and um, but currently, it's looking like uh, Megan may have to go through deposition, according to a ruling by a Florida judge. So we'll keep watching that and see how it develops. Um, you know, I don't know if something could change before then, and she may not have to. But as of right now, that's what it's looking like. So have you been following that story, Rachel?
0: Actually, I've been actively avoiding it.
1: but I, So I had no idea that she
0: was seeking only $75,000 in damage. So that's, that's very interesting and kind of
1: shocking. But I thought so, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, we kind of pick and choose on, you know, what we want to put in the episode. But when something gets really kind of big in the news, we feel like it's it's important to to call it out on here. So Mm -hmm. um, and this was another thing that was kind of really buzzing online this week that I thought I'd mention. Rachel, have you ever watched South Park? I used to love that show back. I can't, really? Yes.
0: Yeah, so like back in, I'm talking like back in the late '90s. Yeah, my mom, <laughs> uh, my mom watched the show. My mom, like, she's cringing right now that I'm that I'm calling her out on this. But yes, it was. I mean, it's. I I haven't watched it in probably 20 years, but it it, it was really funny. Like Kenny and all. Just yes. I so the short answer is yes, but it's been a long time.
1: Well, I am very familiar with the premise of the show, but I've actually never watched it aside from, you know, <laughs> I don't think you really like there. That's yeah, not, I, I that's don't know. Not your show. <laughs> not your well, show. there was a, a recent episode highlighting some of the contradictions around Harry and Meghan. And like I said, it's been all over the internet this week. So. I did want to check this one out just to see what all the buzz was about. I haven't seen the episode in full, but I did watch a couple of clips um and for listeners who aren't familiar with the show, South Park is an adult cartoon and you can probably tell this better than me, Rachel, but it's pretty well known for its sat- satire. So, <laughs> they'll poke fun at public figures and celebrities for their behavior and of course, it is intended to be humorous, so I think it's okay to have a good laugh um at some of the stuff and I will say I, I had a good laugh at what I watched. Um I only watched like a 90 episode. second
0: clip and it and it was I'm sorry, it was pretty funny. Like look, like you have to be <laughs> able to you have to be able to laugh at yourself, but anyway.
1: Well, the episode is called The Worldwide Privacy Tour and it's basically about a prince and his wife who happened to look exactly like Harry and Meghan. They decide to move to the U.S. to seek privacy, and the funny part is the cartoon prince and his wife are walking around crowds of people that really seem sort of unbothered by them. They're not really paying attention, but they're holding up these big signs that say, stop looking at us, and and then it shows their house, and they've got a big banner on the front of their house that says, leave us alone, and there's fireworks going off behind their house in the background, and then, you know, they go on a news show to promote the prince's book and the book is called wah <laughs> that's,
0: that's the part i saw was when they were on the news show
1: <laughs> so anyway like i said several clips are circulating online um but they don't explicitly name the couple as harry and megan although it's pretty clear who they're referring to i just thought it was really funny because of the contradiction of taking on this worldwide tour for p- privacy, you know, and publicizing a book where, you know, you're saying you want privacy. Um so hopefully everyone can laugh and get a little humor out of that. I just thought I'd share that.
0: Well, I saw on people today that they that the Sussexes are not suing. So there's that. Hopefully they can I don't know. I don't know if they're laughing along with the rest of us, but at least they're not going to sue. But yeah, um, well, I don't
1: know that they would be very successful in that anyway. Well, they
0: never named them. I mean, yes, the implication is clear, but I don't right. know when you're a public figure, just, I don't know, I to a degree, it comes with the territory. There are lines that can be crossed, but um also I, we didn't throw this in the Royal rundown, but I wanted to mention it. Charles when he was out at an engagement did you see that there were some protesters with signs that said not my king which he of course
1: ignored but i i didn't know if you saw that or not um no i didn't but i know we've had we've had some of that recently at other engagements as well some yeah yeah but you know, he, he didn't acknowledge it and life went on. And by the way, last item
0: of the Royal Rundown before we move into royals around the world, this has nothing to do with anything you've just said, but I just wanted to follow up and button up a story we talked about last episode. So the personal letters from Princess Diana, there were 32 of them. They were sold by two of her friends at auction for charity. They ended up, the, the collection in total, sold for a total of $170,000. So all proceeds will go to charities that Diana supported during her life.
1: Well, let's go ahead and move on to royals around the world. So this is a segment that we've had going on for a while now. If you've been a listener, you're familiar with it, but we do try to keep a close watch on what's happening with other royal families and update our audience because Um, sometimes they've got some really interesting stuff going on and they don't get as much coverage as the British Royals. So we like to include that in in our episodes as well. So we've got two updates this time. First is on Princess Amalia of the Netherlands. Rachel, we've talked about this a few episodes ago um, and listeners might remember when we reported on that. So Princess Amalia a few months ago, received threats. Uh, So if if you don't recall, she was in her first year at university and she had gone to she had left her home in the Hague gone to Amsterdam and then you know shortly after school started she received threats to her safety so unfortunately um, security had to step in and move her out of student housing in Amsterdam and back home to the Hague and since then she's really been unable to experience the lifestyle of most university students um recently, she was on a tour with her parents in the Caribbean. And she made a comment about the incident. um, You know, just saying that she really misses the normal life of a student. And her mother, Queen Maxima also recently commented on the situation. And she said, you know, the threats really impacted her life. And she can no longer live in Amsterdam, and now rarely ever goes outside. And her, her mom actually was quoted saying, The consequences are very difficult for her. No student life for her like other students have. It's not nice to see your child live like that. She can go to university, but that's about it. So it sounds like she's able to commute and attend class, but she really can't enjoy student life outside of class, which is really, really unfortunate. And I I really hate that for her.
0: I do too. that, That story bothers me a lot.
1: So another another update we've got. This is the royal family of Sweden. So King Carl Gustaf of Sweden, he actually had surgery yesterday. I need to go back and see if we've got an update he from came that surgery. Through it well, he came through. Oh, good. It well. You got that? Okay. Yeah. Um. Well, it was reported that he would go through keyhole surgery, which is supposedly less invasive than open heart surgery. Um. Still pretty serious, I think, though. And he had been scheduled to continue with his normal work engagements leading up to the procedure. Um, But his daughter, Princess Madeline, she, I believe, is their youngest daughter. She traveled from her home in Florida to Sweden for his surgery to be by his side. And then following yesterday's procedure, he's expected to be recovering and not working any royal duties until early March, which honestly isn't that far away. So hopefully Um, he'll continue to recover well and he'll be back at work soon.
0: Yes, the palace released a statement today. I think that said that he's doing well.
1: So that's good. Awesome. Great. Well, that wraps up Royals Around the World. Rachel, I'm going to let you tell us a little bit about your lifestyle segment. I'm so
0: excited about this because Jessica is the lifestyle queen. I am not. This is my very first ever lifestyle segment that I've written for the show. So this is a monumental moment for me. So please (laughs) give me grace as this is my very first lifestyle segment. We're on episode 85. and It's my very first lifestyle segment for the show. (laughs) But I have had an idea kind of brewing and circulating for a while about, okay, so you want to have some inspiration from Royal weddings for your own wedding, but you don't have, you know, what is it like $20 million to, to, to have a Royal wedding of your own. So we're calling this segment, this lifestyle segment, Royal wedding inspiration on a budget. So many of you out there are wedding planning, or you're thinking about wedding planning. And so for my first ever lifestyle segment, I wanted to bring you some royal wedding trends that you can easily adopt in your wedding, no matter how large or how small your budget is. Not all of us can get married at Westminster Abbey or St. Paul's Cathedral or St. George's Chapel, wearing Sarah Burton for Alexander McQueen or Claire Waite Keller for <laughs> Givenchy or having 27 cakes, but all of us can infuse a little royal into our own weddings with these royal wedding traditions. So are you ready to dig in, Jessica?
1: I am. I am. I love weddings and this is super exciting. So I can't wait to hear what you've got for us.
0: Okay. Well, no pressure from the lifestyle queen herself, but here we go. So this might not be something that many of us adopt as usually weddings are in the later afternoon or the evening, but it is a Royal wedding tradition to get married in the 11 AM hour. The queen and princess Margaret both got married at 1130 in the morning and Diana, Kate, Megan, and Eugenie, for example, all married at 11 a.m., which was a real shame for us American viewers who were up at five o'clock in the morning to Mm -hmm. watch their weddings, if you remember that. If they would have gotten married at like five o'clock in the afternoon, we wouldn't have even had to wake up early, but they all get married in the morning. And this might actually help your wedding budget listeners as weddings earlier in the day tend to be less expensive. So as the clock strikes 11, if the church or whatever location you opt to get married at has a bell tower, make sure the bells begin tinkling at the top of the hour, just as they do at Royal weddings to make you feel like you are the princess that you most certainly are. So Would you ever consider getting married that early? I'm not sure I would, but that is a royal wedding tradition.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I think they have to do that in the world of royals because there's so much that goes on that day. You have to Mm -hmm. get started early. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I don't know that I would do that. I mean, I think that would be really difficult to your point. I mean, you'd be up really early for, you know, photos and everything else. Um, I think the earliest wedding I've ever attended was a two o'clock wedding and Mm -hmm. that felt pretty early. But I will say, I love having the church bells ring right at the time that your wedding should start. That is something, no matter what time you get married, that would be really nice. Absolutely. To
0: do. Absolutely. Well, it is a time-honored bridal tradition, of course, to wear something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue for your wedding day. So royal brides have taken the something blue tradition a number of different ways, any of which you listeners can also easily adopt into your own wedding and all very affordable So this story was one of my favorite royal wedding traditions. It has now been refuted thanks to the publication of Prince Harry's book Spare. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about this on the show, but I just, I love whether it happened or not, it doesn't really matter. I love this idea. So Megan has shared publicly that for her something blue, she sewed the fabric of the blue dress that she wore on her first date with Harry into her gown which I find to be one of the most adorable something blue ideas I've ever heard of. And the reason why I've worn blue on every first date I've ever had since 2018. So um, both Diana and Kate sewed a blue bow into their wedding gown, which I think is adorable. And Eugenie put blue flowers in her bouquet as her something blue. So do any of those stand out to you as something you might adopt as your something blue?
1: I don't know. I, I've often thought about that, you know, what, what people do creatively to incorporate blue into their, you know, attire or their look that day. I do like the idea of sewing a blue ribbon into your dress, not visible, but you know, it's, yeah, there. it's not
0: visible. It's not visible.
1: Um, yeah. So, I mean, I like that idea. I, I do really think that it's really sweet to, um, you know, if you wear, if you happen to wear something blue on your first date and you, and you save it, that's really sentimental.
0: Yeah, I well, that's why ever since I heard that idea, I it was adorable after doing it. You, hoping, you've got a closet of blue shirts
1: that you've seen.
0: hoping <laughs> every time that I So, okay, speaking of bouquets, this is a tradition. Literally, every single royal bride has adopted, every single one from the queen on down the line. They all incorporate myrtle in their bouquet, which all of you listeners can easily do as well. And keeping with the floral theme, some royal brides either wear flowers in their hair. That was really only Fergie in 1986. So I don't know if, if you want to do that, listeners. Live your life. Or they have their bridesmaids wear flowers in their hair, which a lot of um, royal bridesmaids do. But the royal bridesmaids are typically under the age of eight, whereas you know, unlike most of us whose bridesmaids are over the age of 25 and may not be as eager to wear a flower crown. And another royal bridal tradition that almost not almost every single royal bride has adopted. This is this is one of the firmest royal wedding traditions that I could find is wearing a Welsh gold wedding band, which is something you'll have to consult with your groom about. But it's royal nonetheless. And this tradition actually began 100 years ago in 1923. And I don't think there has been a royal bride since that has not adopted the Welsh gold wedding band into their repertoire. So any thoughts on any of that?
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. I was actually over here as you were talking about the flowers, I was Googling um, the cost of wedding flowers because, okay, so I used to, when I was in high school, I did a project and I shadowed a wedding planner and learned a lot. And so I, I used to look at different elements of weddings. And, you know, I just thought it was interesting at one point. I thought I wanted to be a wedding planner mm-hmm. and there are some flowers that are really, really pricey for weddings because they're either really popular or they're very dainty and they require a lot of care to keep them pretty. Um, but Google is saying that Myrtle is significantly cheaper than, you know, a lot of your um common, you know, things that you mm-hmm. might put in bouquets. So, good call out on that. That sounds like it's doable for people to incorporate, um, into their bouquet if they're looking for a lower priced option.
0: Yeah. And I really try, you know, we've talked about Royal weddings on the show before, but when we, like we talked about cakes, like I think Charles and Diana had 27 cakes at their wedding. That's not, we're not going to do that. Like common people are not like common brides are not going to have 27 wedding cakes. So this list is all about things that hopefully are very relatable, very affordable that all of us no matter what our budget is, can bring in. And by the way, the myrtle that all the royal brides use is from Queen Victoria's garden. So I thought that was sweet as well. And the, and her, mad, her late majesty, Queen Elizabeth II, was uh, one of the first to adopt that trend. She might've been the first, but it goes all the way back to her wedding in 1947. So
1: everything so, with the royals ties back to something meaningful. There's always some yes, hidden little meaning. Yes, it's it. <laughs> all thoughtful. It's all thoughtful. Yes, absolutely. So
0: as you can tell by looking at royal brides from the queen to Diana to Kate to Megan to Eugenie to Beatrice to every other royal bride, their tastes and dresses differ as they should, because each woman is her own woman, although all for the most part do have sleeves and uh, a lot of the places where they get married require sleeves to walk down the aisle. But there are commonalities in their choice of nail color. So most royal brides opt for barely their pink nail polish, a la Ballet Slippers by SSA S. S. A. I can't speak, mm-hmm. S E-S-S-I-E, which was long known to be a favorite of Her late Majesty. So p- think pale pink for your nails if you're trying to Adopt royal wedding traditions. So there are some royal brides like Kate, for example, who did their own makeup for their wedding. Meghan opted to have hers done by her longtime makeup artist, Daniel Martin. But Kate actually took makeup lessons and she did her own makeup on her big day, as did the queen when she married Prince Philip. I will not be doing my own makeup. I will outsource that work for my wedding day. I don't know about you, but I think it's very sweet that Kate, I think Kate at the time said that she wanted to look like herself. And mm-hmm. she wanted William to recognize her. And so she did it herself. She did take lessons, but what do you think about that?
1: I love that. And I think that I would be inclined to probably do something like that as well. Um, I think the only the only thing that is maybe a a worry when you do your own makeup is can you do it enough to show up in the photos and to last all day? Sometimes the makeup Mm -hmm. artists have, you know, tools or things that they use where they know how to really get it to set and to last all day. Um, But I really like the idea of looking like yourself and not being overdone because I, I will say I have been in weddings before where someone did my makeup and I hated it. I didn't think that it was something I would have done on myself, but you know, Hey, if you have some money and you want to invest in makeup classes, maybe you can learn the tricks and, um, you know, do something that'll, that'll work. And last all and day. I thought
0: Kate's, I thought Kate's makeup was flawless on her wedding day. And I thought Megan's was as well. And I think that she was not overdone at all. I think Daniel Martin did a great job of like letting her natural complexion shine. You saw her mm-hmm. freckles. Um, mm-hmm. Megan's whole aesthetic on her wedding day was just very low key and minimalistic from the dress to the makeup. And she looked, Stunningly beautiful. So while we don't often think about bridal footwear, and by the way, speaking of something blue, a lot of brides make their something blue their shoes. So there's an idea for you. But while we don't often think about bridal footwear, since usually we can't see what they're wearing on their feet because the shoes are covered up by the gown, Diana. I think this is cute and very much something that a 19, 20 or 20-year-old would do, but it's I still find it adorable because I'm a romantic. Diana hand painted she and Charles's initials on the arches of her shoes, which I find incredibly romantic and obviously very budget friendly to adopt. If you want to infuse a little Diana into your wedding, I'm still a stickler that I would never infuse that dress into my wedding, but I do think that that's <laughs> a cute, a cute little anecdote from their wedding.
1: That and is I, cute. And I did not know that. So you, should
0: yeah, you. yeah, she, uh, she hand painted them on the arches of the shoes. And I, uh, I just think that that's incredibly adorable and incredibly romantic. And we all know Diana was a hopeless romantic and I just so wish that everything would have turned out differently, but that's a whole other podcast and not a lifestyle segment. So we're going to go back to the happy (laughs) for a minute, but, and by the way, all of these Royal weddings are on YouTube. And if I've, we've said this on the show before, if you ever get bored, this was a pandemic activity for me i would just sit there and watch royal weddings and it's like three hours per wedding the whole coverage and it's really fun to look at all these weddings i really love sophie and edwards wedding just all of them are on youtube so at your wedding reception although this is not necessarily budget friendly both Kate and Meghan, of course, changed into a different gown for their party, and many royal brides have been keen to have a fireworks display to end the night. Meghan and Harry did that. Again, That I would not call that budget-friendly necessarily, but it is your wedding day, and you should feel as royal as possible, and a lot of royals like to end the night, and, and not just royal brides, but brides like to end the night with a fireworks display to celebrate and cap off the big day. So there are a few generally budget-friendly royal wedding hacks that you can incorporate should you choose to do so into your own big day if you too are a royal follower like us to feel even a little bit extra regal on your wedding day. So what do you think? How did I do on my first lifestyle segment, teacher? <laughs>
1: loved it. I thought you did great. Um that Thank was you. so much fun and I have missed doing those. I know we had talked about bringing them back and I'm glad we did. And you mentioned fireworks not being budget friendly. Totally, totally true. But I think we've all been to a wedding where people did the really big sparklers and those mm-hmm. are just as fun and way more budget friendly than fireworks. So yes, maybe that's, that's something if you want If you want the firework vibe, but you don't want to spend the firework money, sparklers are always a good choice.
0: Yeah. Like the sparklers while you're exiting and those photos that a lot of people do like the dipping and the kiss with all the sparklers. That's beautiful. Always. Well, that's what I've got for lifestyle. Go ahead. Yeah.
1: Awesome job, Rachel. I really enjoyed that. So thanks for, thanks for taking the lifestyle segment this time. Thanks. I will give it back to you now. <laughs> I just wanted to do that one, that one lifestyle segment.
0: You got this from now on, but um, no, that was really fun. And I want to mention that we have an incredible interview coming your way on Friday with lady and Glenn Connor, who was just, this is the interview that we've been talking about for weeks where we just absolutely loved this woman. You will listeners, please tune into this interview. You will love it. She was a lady in waiting for princess Margaret. She it was a maid at Queen Elizabeth's coronation. She is just a fascinating woman in her own right. She and her late husband owned Mystique, which is the private island that Princess Margaret was so known for frequenting. There's so many stories. The interview is great and that will come out on Friday and I'm so excited for all of you to hear of it. I know you are
1: as well. I know you love that interview too. Yes, absolutely. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Podcast Royal. Email us at hello at gmail.com and please follow, rate, and review our podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into episode eighty-five of Podcast Royal. Bye. Bye.